2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In 1994, Jay Kessler wrote a book entitled Being Holy, Being Human. Years ago, I spoke on this topic in a ministerial advance, but those notes have really no correlation except for this text to what I want to say tonight. It's written to ministers, and it's a very, very good book. But tonight, I want to speak to you from the Bible on the subject, Being Holy, Being Human, God bless you, you can be seated. Last Wednesday night I spoke on the topic great, grace, and grit. Not grits, but grit. In the south you could preach on grits every day, it would be fine with me. And that message was about what God brings to the table and what we bring to the table. And tonight is similar in that we are holy, that's what God brings to our lives, and then we implement practically. But we are also human. We have another side that is just as real in who we are. So my my objective tonight is to give perspective and understanding about living the holy life. What does God expect from us? Holiness. And then I wonder if we mistakenly expect God to eliminate our humanity to make us impervious to the challenges of life. Perhaps we impose on ourselves and others expectations uh, that are beyond being human, thinking that we should be divine when we know we're really not. So I want to talk about this paradox tonight of being holy while being human. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, The Apostle Paul gives us a a lofty truth that we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus and the Lord, uh, Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He says, we have this amazing gospel It is about Jesus, and the the whole power of God was manifested in Jesus Christ. But then in our text, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, said, but there's Jesus, and then there's us. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Well, I want to assure you tonight that we do have this treasure. We have the treasure of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, and it dwells in us. Some commentators say the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is is what we have in us. It is a treasure that God gave us when he filled us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible calls it the earnest of our inheritance. It's like earnest money on something you're going to purchase. It's a down payment or a deposit of the glory that will be revealed in the saints of God when we get to heaven and for all of eternity. Amen. So we have this 
this treasure in us, this down payment on eternal life. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is the Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's a treasure, and it is in us. It is a guide, a comforter, a helper. It is power to overcome sin and Satan. It is power to witness and to demonstrate the miraculous. It is power to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It is power to preach and teach and share the Word of God. It is a treasure that we have in us. We have this treasure. And although that's not my total message tonight, I want us to remember that God gave us something precious and powerful that is in us, that separates us from unregenerate people in the world, that you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Amen? You have this power. And we should always be thankful that we do have this treasure in our hearts and lives. I remember when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost at the age of eight, a hard life of criminal activity, eight years old. But I knew the moment I began to speak in other tongues that I had just received the Holy Ghost. It was Christ in me, this treasure. Why don't we just take a moment and say thank you to the Lord right now. Praise God. So this treasure is something that you have. You possess it, and it possesses you. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. The Bible says it both ways. And we should always cherish the power of the Holy Ghost that is in us. But Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the treasure of the Holy Spirit is invested in a human body, mind invested in us. Now this Bible, this verse does not say that we have this treasure in corrupted vessels. That would not be the goal. But we do have this treasure in earthen vessels. Um, It's important to understand the difference between saying I have an earthen vessel, I'm a human being, and uh, kind of making excuses for being unholy and being human. My message tonight is not being unholy because you're human. It's being holy and human at the same time. The Bible is very clear in 2 Corinthians 7.1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfected holiness is when it is on the inside and the outside. And anyone who says that it's only one without the other is missing the message of the Bible. If they point you to Matthew 23, stay there long enough to show them that if you get the inside right, the outside will line up to what is on the inside. And if the outside doesn't line up to what is supposed to be on the inside, perhaps it's an indicator that what is on the inside is really not right. Holiness is flesh and spirit. We are holy and we are human. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What know you not that your body, this earthen vessel, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, God's property. They belong to God. And the point of the passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, is not to be, as I've said, unholy in body and spirit and think that you're pleasing to God. That would be duplicity, that you pretend to be one thing while you really are another, that you would live a life of deceitfulness. But Paul wanted to give understanding that just because you're holy, just because you have this treasure, does not exempt you from being fully human. We are holy by God's grace, but we are also human. And that is the heart of my message. And right now, there are probably some people that are saying, duh, we should have saved the fuel and stayed home. We already knew that. That we're human. Well, just stick around if you don't mind. It's going to cost the same amount to get back home. But maybe there will be a time when you forget it and need to be reminded that you are holy while being human. Jesus modeled for this, uh, this for us in perfection in his dual nature. He was sinless, tempted in all points without sin. And uh, we are not Jesus. And no person, no matter how submitted to God they are, will never be another Jesus. When I spoke on the fullness of God, there's a differentiation between us receiving the fullness of God and the fact that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily. But we have that same spirit that was in us. And uh, Jesus Christ got tired and slept. He grew hungry and ate. He could be injured and bleed. He experienced the full range of human emotions, but without sin as well as temptation. Though Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So in the New Living Translation, it reads like this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. The NIV New International Version and ESV English Standard Version say jars of clay, which would make a great name for a Christian band. Somebody should think of that. The emphasis in this verse is that while this treasure is powerful and holy, that we are fragile earthen vessels, clay pots, some versions say. And the emphasis is on the low value of a, a piece of pottery fired in the kiln, which may be fragile and easily broken if dropped. That really, there is nothing to write home about. It's nothing to brag about. It's nothing to ever be proud about. Your earthen vessel may be prettier than mine. 
stronger or more talented, but in the end, it's just a clay pot. And it may be a cracked pot, but anyway, it's just a clay pot. I did preach about cracked pots one time. Even though a person may present themselves as strong, you know, intelligent, talented, successful, you know, there are people that their clay pot appears a lot stronger, more successful than your clay pot, but all the billions of people that live on this earth, and it's all said and done, earthen vessels, jars of clay. And the Lord amazingly said that he would use this vessel, your vessel and mine, to house his spirit. He said, I will dwell in them. We'll walk with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He came into us. As I said, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's important to remember that inherently, while we know that we are fragile clay vessels, we often want to compensate to appear to be something that we're really not. So just remember this. All the famous people, all the wealthy people, all the successful people, all the royal people, they are jars of clay. They are earthen vessels just like you. The Bible makes it very clear that without Him, without Jesus Christ, we are nothing and we can do nothing. Now Paul expands on this idea in the next couple of verses, uh, this idea that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. So he shows us what the earthen vessel brings to the table and then what the treasure brings to the table. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side. That's our earthen vessel. Yet, not distressed. That treasure in us keeps us from cracking under the pressure that is troubling us all around. We are perplexed. The word means at a loss for a way. We don't know what to do or where to go. But we are not in despair. That treasure in us keeps us from bottoming out, giving up, and losing out with God. We are persecuted, Paul said, but we are not forsaken. While some people may be attacking you, God has not abandoned you. And it doesn't matter what man or flesh can do to you. It matters that the treasure inside of you will always give you a strength that you can never provide. The earthen vessel is cast down, but it is not destroyed. It's been knocked down, but it just keeps getting back up again because of the treasure that is inside. Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. 
we have this sense of death in us, Paul said. The trouble, the difficulties of life. Yet we have a treasure that is in us. And I will take the time tonight, but throughout 2 Corinthians, and even if you go back to 1 Corinthians, when he says, not many mighty are called, not many noble. This is a recurring theme in the writings of Paul to the Corinthians, that God shows the foolish things, the base things of the world to confound the wise. He uses people just like you and me to do what we can never do. And it is not because of us, but it's because of Christ in us, the treasure that we have. So we need to remember that this fragile clay jar feels fragile, and it is. Now, earthen vessels can be tempted and sin, but the point of my message tonight is not to really deal with temptation and sin and falling away from God. I'm not really dealing with that aspect of our relationship with God tonight. I'm really just talking about your clay pot, your earthen vessel, the humanity that all of us possess that happens, thank God, to house something that is much more valuable. The word earthen here means baked with clay. It implies that the vessel is vulnerable to breakage. Now what about our humanity? Our humanity gets worn out. I referred recently to a Isaiah chapter 40 that says even young people will get tired, not just older people. Our earthen vessels get worn out. Our earthen vessels are subject to human emotions and moods and even bad moods. And just because we've had a really lousy, cool, overcast day and you might have felt a little down today, doesn't mean that you don't have treasure in your heart. Just because you had a bad day at work. Just because you've got a case of buccobibetus, whatever that is. The disease my friend made up one time. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love you. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean that you don't have a power working on the inside of you. That is powerful And it cannot be broken easily. Amen? These earthen vessels are affected by the climate, by the culture, by the conditions that surround us. That's the way it goes for fragile clay pots. Earthen vessels even have problems with other people. People like Barnabas and Paul get in a dispute and the contention between them is so great that they part ways. They can't even work together anymore. They've been on a missionary journey. They have an argument over John Mark. Barnabas says, let's take my nephew, John Mark. Paul says, no, he left us. He deserted us in the middle of a missionary trip. I'm not traveling with that boy. And they split up. It didn't mean Barnabas was lost. It didn't mean Paul was lost. Later, Paul says, sin, Mark, to me, he's profitable to be in the ministry. So maybe Barnabas was really right to take a chance on John Mark. But it didn't mean that Paul or Barnabas had a bad spirit. They were lost in sin. They maybe were angry and sinned not. 
But there is a contention between them. They were just clay pots. They were earthen vessels. And sometimes earthen vessels don't see eye to eye and disagree and have issues even in their homes. But it doesn't mean you're lost. So be angry and sin not. Don't let your human condition, being holy, being human, cause you to be unholy. The Apostle Paul had to confront the Apostle Peter for being inconsistent. He was hanging out with the Gentile brothers, eating. And when the Jewish brothers showed up, he pulled away, wouldn't associate with them, was showing a little bit maybe of inconsistency. By the way, there's a difference between inconsistency and hypocrisy. Some people read inconsistency as people are being a hypocrite. Well, I'm just going to tell you that your earthen vessel is not perfectly consistent. You're inconsistent. Recently, I was asked to, uh, to write and teach a seminar at this general conference, one of the split sessions on principles I live by. And my opening line is going to be, principles are perfect, people are not. I'm a little awkward teaching about principles I live by when I know that I have to live up to a perfect principle and I am an imperfect person. I am just an earthen vessel. Sorry to disappoint you. I didn't say unholy. I said human. Amen. So, earthen vessels get flat tires. I know you thought because you spoke in tongues Sunday that when you pulled into the gas station that there would still be fuel. But they had run out of gas. And no matter how holy you were, you were still human. And you couldn't catch a break. Now, I know God can provide, and I understand all of that. Holy people who are human have to take care of their cars and their homes and their families and their health. And they get sick. They, they grow old. My goodness, they get aches and pains and have ailments. They decline and, and, and then they die. Earthen vessels do. Do you remember when the Apostle Peter wrote, Think it not strange concerning your fiery trial, which is to try you as if some strange thing has happened to you. He said, I, I want you to get a grip on this, that you've had some trouble in your life, some trials, and you're wondering why. And the Apostle Peter said about these fiery trials that this is the way life goes. So I want to borrow his words because I've been in the ministry a while, 43 years, I think. And I've seen people just kind of appear to be blindsided by being human. I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm holy. Oh, yes, you are. Thank God I'm not being sarcastic. Yes, you are holy. But I've got a revelation for you. You have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And the more we understand that, the more we can deal with setbacks, struggles, humanity, life as it comes to us, and not think it's strange or that God has abandoned us or that there's some secret sin that we've committed that we don't even know about. 
And I'm speaking now from years of experience of hearing people say, I can't believe this happened. You've heard me quote my friend Robbie Bentley. When people say life is not fair, she said, a fair is a place where you go ride rides. And I thought, that's brilliant, right? Because life is not fair. Life is not fair for anyone. Some people are raised in wealth and others in poverty. Some people are raised in wonderful two-parent homes that love God. And other people are raised in all kinds of situations of abuse and neglect. That's not fair. Some people live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, at least for now, thank God. And other people live in communist countries. Some people have been martyred for their faith. Some people live where they can't even drink the water that comes out of the well that's in the center of their village. And that's not fair. If it's supposed to be fair, everyone should live on your street. But it is not that way around the world. Never has been and never will be. And if I understand that life is not fair, but God is good, and in spite of what goes on in the earthen vessel of my life, I always can remember that there's a treasure in me that gives me the power to cope with whatever goes on in my life. I'm amazed by people who question things that have already been answered in the Bible. The Bible is very clear that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel and that our holiness does not exempt us from our humanity. And while our earthen vessels are fragile and susceptible to breaking, we should not automatically question our holiness. Now, I want to put in that, like the fine print right now, a qualification. Because the Bible would say that some sickness is the result of sin. And there is a sin unto death and, and all of that. And I don't want to get into that today. Uh, but I just want to tell you that no matter how anointed you are or how godly you are, you're still a human. <clears throat> Can you believe that I have been teaching and preaching before and said something really dumb and got my tang all twisted up, right? Some people stick their foot in their mouth. Other people just change feet. And as anointed as I was, praise God, I was human. And maybe that reminds you that you're human. Years ago, I've referred to this at least once here in the past hundred years. In Jackson, you know, back in Jackson, everything happened in Jackson, right, Brandon? I knew you could appreciate that. I played the trumpet, right? I grew up playing the trumpet, junior high, senior high, Bible college. And Brother Kraft, it was music conference. There were hundreds and hundreds of people at the city auditorium. And he was preaching on the trumpet and the trumpet of God. And I was backstage and I could play the trumpet really well, you know. And in my high school orchestra, we played Bugler's Holiday. And if you want to know if that's a hard song, go find it. And so I was ready. I'm backstage. I've got my trumpet out. And Brother Kraft gives me the cue, and I'm supposed to give this, you know, great trumpet blast like the Lord is coming again. I was so holy. And I went, but something like that. (laughs) 
fully human. I confess, I slammed my trumpet in the case. I'm true with that. I wasn't, but you know, in that moment, nobody really knew but a couple people who was that human, but, but I was so humiliated in my humanity that my clay pot cracked, right? Literally. <clears throat> that's because, that's because you're a human. And it doesn't mean that you're not holy. I've referred different stories about uh, Sister Strom, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law, and just a couple of things. I want to make just a point about her sickness. Um, she was a wonderful lady, lost her husband. He was 49 years old when a blood clot went to his heart and he died. We'd been married two years. She lived a widow, uh, moved down to Jackson, worked in the Bible college as a dorm mom, and a bookkeeper for 14 years. Went back home to Ohio to take care of her aging mother. Her mom was ill. Her mom was ill toward her. Wasn't appreciative. Didn't always treat my mother-in-law in a kind way. Uh, her mom was not in church. She was a Christian, you know, by name. But, but uh, Grandma Moyer, in that, in that condition, her, her physical condition, uh, was just not kind to to Mamaw, to my mother-in-law. And after her mother passed away, she's living on her own, working in her local church, being a blessing. And then out of nowhere, this lady who'd come to God in her early adulthood, served God all those years, served people, served in a Bible college, worked in ridiculous conditions, took care of her mom. Then she gets ill, acquired a plastic anemia. I mentioned this the other day, made no blood. So she's in the hospital, James Cancer Research Center, 75 days, comes to Atlanta. She's an outpatient, lives in our home about four and a half years, passes away. During this time, you know, she was weak. She lost her vision. She would sit right over there on about the third row, I think, and she would believe God that she was going to be healed every time somebody anointed her with oil. And she would close her eyes and pray, and then she would open her eyes, and she would still be blinded because of the effects of the treatments that she had and acquired a plastic anemia. Her mind was good. Her spirit was good. She was so introspective about her life, wanted to make sure in meticulous detail that she had done everything and there was nothing between her and anyone else in the world and her and God. She was an amazing, godly, holy woman. She was human. And we don't have an explanation but I'm not going to be foolish enough to charge God foolishly because a good godly person got sick and died. Because frankly, some of the best people I've known have gotten sick and died. Sister Sism, Sister Howell, Sister Rodenbush. You can go down a list of some of the most wonderful, notice those are all women, some of the most amazing people in the world. Sorry. If you're going to try to find an answer for sickness and suffering and, and the junk you have to go through in your life, you're going to just frustrate yourself and get a bad attitude toward God. And I've got a little answer for you from 2 Corinthians 4.7. We have this treasure of the Holy Ghost in earthen vessels. So pardon me for saying it this way. So get over your humanity. And don't 
charge God foolishly or get bent out of shape every time something goes wrong in life. There's an amazing side of this though, this treasure in an earthen vessel. Several years ago, Sister Elizabeth Taylor, one of the wonderful ladies of our church, in her older eight years, uh, dementia, perhaps Alzheimer's, and, and she couldn't really carry on a good conversation. But she came to a joy group event in the fellowship hall. And we were singing and worshiping the Lord. And Sister Taylor, who couldn't carry on a coherent stream of thought, began to worship the Lord. The Holy Ghost came down on her. She started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave her the utterance. Her earthen vessel was fragile, aged, sick, dying, but the treasure on the inside of her was just as vibrant and real as when she received the Holy Ghost as a young lady. The Apostle Paul would write that though our outward man perishes, our inward is renewed day by day. So we need to remember that the outside doesn't dictate the condition of our soul. Amen? Praise God. Now why in the world did God do this? Is he cruel? I mean, he could have, the Bible said that he made us a little lower than the angels, right? Crowned us with glory and honor. He could have made us a little higher than the angels. Wouldn't that have been nice? I mean, what a ripoff, right? He makes us lower than the angels. He could have made us flawless and perfect. And I understand the role of original sin and sickness and death in the world. I get that. But Paul's not talking about that here. He's talking about our human body, our human existence. He just says that God puts something valuable inside of something that is not valuable. It's like he took a million dollars and he put it in a plastic grocery bag. What's the reason for this arrangement? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So look at our verse again, and Paul answers this question in the end of verse 7. I'll read the whole verse, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God did this on purpose. So that no flesh would glory in his presence. That we wouldn't get a big head or think that we were something that we were not. Remember Paul and the thorn in the flesh and God's strength is made perfect in weakness. We've talked about that recently. When God uses us to do something really great for him, we are reminded by our earthen vessel that it was him and not us. And while we should take care of ourselves, this temple of the Holy Ghost, we should not think more highly of ourselves, Romans 12 and 3 says, and that his strength is made perfect in our weakness, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 and 31 that he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. So if you take this treasure out of the earthen vessel. What is the earthen vessel worth? Like 
next to nothing, right? No wonder people without God's spirit devalue human life. Have no sense of the treasure. It's just another human being gunned them down, abort them. They're dying anyway, kill them. Where culture's head. Our value, your value, is in what God put inside of you. So when you're looking in the mirror, beating yourself up, when you feel like a zero on a bad day, in spite of everything you've accomplished and, and your quest to prove that you're worth something, and then still feeling like you're not, when you give up placing your value on your intellect, your appearance, your abilities, your success, and why don't you get back to where the value really lies? It's the treasure that God put in you that gives you value to Him and makes you a valuable person to the body of Christ and to this world. It is a losing proposition to play the game of appraising the worth of our earthen vessel. You know, people do it on a scale. There are five, there are eight, there are ten, there are zero, whatever. When you try to look at any earthen vessel and determine their value, but what they know, what they've done, any, any measure of performance, that comparison game is a terrible game to play. The Bible said we're not wise when we measure ourselves among ourselves and compare ourselves, right? That's a horrible game. It's always a losing venture. But if we value people, if we value ourselves by the value of what God placed inside of us, on your worst day, on your worst day, you will always know that God, who arranged this treasure in an earthen vessel, planned. He loved you, and He chose to put His Spirit inside of you. If you're able, let's stand right now. If you'll just kind of lock this idea in your mind with me right now and just say, being holy, being human. Praise God. I'm not sure that I can keep this commitment, but I've said to myself and maybe even publicly that I would like to age gracefully and die with dignity not feeling like as life goes by that you become less valuable when you're less viable. And if you live appraising your value by what you've done or who you are, there will be a day or there may be a season in your life. Older people struggle with this. 
I'm not preaching all the older people, but older people struggle with this. I can't do anything for anyone anymore. I'm not worth anything to anyone. No, wait a second. You really never were. Well, that didn't really come out right, but that may be true of some people. Now, what made you valuable was not ever what you did or how much money you earned or how many gold medals you won. What always made you valuable is the treasure that Jesus Christ put inside of you. And you've got that now and you will have it for eternity. 